Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Gwen Drager. Well, I'm not a fan of cold. (laughs) Or lukewarm. (laughs) When we were recently in Saskatchewan, there were people who came up from one of the Dakotas either north or south, I'm I'm not entirely sure which, but because they had a goal of arriving at these meetings and enjoying them, they drove through a terrible snowstorm to get there. And there was snow everywhere, and it was very, very cold, 37 below. But these people were on assignment to receive. And so they did, which was awesome. Amen. I'm thankful for our sound man today. He might have a little bit of a trip as we adjust things and go different places today. Holy Spirit's moving. Now, it, does everybody, is everybody aware that the God is omnipresent? Yes. All right. Do you know what that means? He's everywhere all the time. Let's talk a little bit about revival, and then I'll, we'll go where we go. Amen? <laughs> Many people are talking about revival because of what is happening in, in uh, Asbury and many of the other colleges, which is phenomenal. We're excited about that. We're for it. We're with them. And as Dr. Laird often says, revivals are messy. And the truth is, uh, people come and they say, well, why isn't it happening here? And we have a response that way. Well, first of all, God is, what did we say? Oh, he's everywhere. What's the big difference between, and, and we're calling it revival because it's what we see with our eyes and we, we like to name things. So did Adam, was his job. So we like to name things in order to understand them or at least to classify them. So we want to classify what is happening there. God is, what is he? And that means he's all the time. So he's here, just as he is there. On Thursday night during prayer meeting, while we were praying, we had a a lovely time with the presence of the Lord. As I often pray, you know, thank God, you know, for the people of God moving forward in strength and that they understand their victory and living for victory. You know, it was kind of a prayer like that. And I became acutely aware, I believe it was by Holy Ghost unction, that not everybody wants to live all the way for Jesus. I became acutely aware that there were those who rose up every day and went for the middle ground. That that was their joy. That was, that was, that was their arrival spot. If I can just get through until tomorrow. If I can just get up and live my whole day and then get back to bed. And it's going to happen again tomorrow, but I just want to live long enough to get to heaven. Amen. The joy of the middle ground. And we knew that. It became very aware in our time of prayer. 
as, as we were praying for people and, and believing God that somehow that would adjust. <laughs> but that's the truth of where most people are at. And that's not always pleasant, but that's why we pray. Amen. And I thought about our nation here in Canada. And we're known for trying to aim high at the middle ground. <laughs> How to sustain middle ground, middle territory, just enough to get us into heaven's door. And then we say, wait a minute, God is. And what is the difference? Why is there this thing happening in the colleges? Well, we prayed for the people of that generation. It hasn't stopped. They tried to stop it. That didn't work. Why didn't it work? Because the people kept coming. They just kept coming. They just kept coming. Is it a different God? So we have named this coming together of the people of God to pursue God for some reason. We call it revival. Interesting, don't you think so? What's the difference? People don't come. <laughs> it was pretty simple, really. It's not science. <laughs> People don't come. Because it's their right not to. I often thought it was a pretty sad thing when Gideon's army, and there were 3,000, they kind of all got fired up, and only 300 really were there for the thing. And then they get told to bang lamps and break, you know, clay pots and yell because that was God's idea of victory. It wasn't the least of how they expected it to happen. Not in, the, not in any way. Shouldn't it look like this and shouldn't it look like that? And we look at this thing in the colleges and go, that's what it should look like. But what does it look like? And what caused those people to come? They recognized that, that it wasn't about having some move being named. It wasn't about an outpouring that they were trying to see. They wanted to get nearer to Jesus. And they got nearer by repenting of the things that no one told them to repent of except Holy Spirit. There is a place where we do preach so that they can have faith that God will forgive them. But all in all, there's something there. They're coming to Jesus. And lives are being changed. Miraculously, people are being healed. But ultimately, it began through a true repentance where people couldn't hold back anymore. Where pride was not the main character that they faced every day in the mirror. And today we have a nation that is so built around personal self and protection of self. And that's why people don't come. And when the Lord does, through his ministers, bring a word that touches the spot, they stay home. Now, not because of snow. <laughs> they stay home because they're nervous. And I want to tell you, you can have and you can believe that God will forgive you. Most importantly, you see, I've had those moments 
where I've looked out and seen that many of our nation will go to hell if something doesn't change. But the most important thing for any person to know is to have a revelation of the love of God. Because an acknowledgement of hell will scare you for a moment. And it might actually get you to church for three Sundays in a row. But it's the love that is unshakable, unmovable, that always forgives, that will keep you coming back. Like the woman at the well. She knew he was different. That he cared about her. And this thing happened where she could pour out her heart. And he forgave her for her messy, messy life. We are standing in a country today that needs a good shakeup, where they understood that it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. And you probably won't have the right look. Some people feel that, that it's easy to spot when we see those people at the side of the road because we can see through the pants that are worn out or the shoes that don't fit properly. And it's easy to see a need for a savior. But if you have never known the love of God, you have a need to know the Savior. It was all because of love. It was all because he cared. It was all because he wanted something different. And church isn't about coming and throwing your dime in the offering or your 10 cents there and giving your whatever it is and then your 60 minutes of your life on a Sunday. That's not why we meet. We meet and we gather together because it's wonderful to love a God together. There's just something about it. You know, when there's a wedding and we're excited, we are seeing two people who care about each other and love each other. And we all come together, sometimes ugly family and not a normal family, but we all come together as we are. We try to make ourselves look good for a day, but we come together because we're celebrating love. And we actually have a pretty good time for the most part. We hope fights don't break out. Occasionally there's strange things that occur. One particular wedding, they were doing the Greek thing, and the person, before we could even have the meal, took, you know, broke the plate and sliced his hand open and spent their honeymoon in the ER. I've had some interesting occasions surrounding by love, and sometimes we have them at church. Because we've come here, and we've come, and we've shared our hearts. We've become vulnerable. And sometimes God touches the places we don't want touched. Don't run away. Run to. He can fix it. Amen? Amen. Hopefully that encourages you. How will revival happen? Well, I know there's a few pastors that really come on their knees, but you don't see that. You don't see the change. You don't see the pain. You don't see them crying out. You don't, you don't see that part. But it takes something to bear their heart before people. Because people are not always kind. <laughs> but it happens when every person will come honestly to the king. Without 
me or any person telling them, you need to come to the king. But something wakes up inside because you said, there's something different here. And I'm done. I'm done with what this life has to offer. I want something more. But that's your decision. Amen? Sometimes people have said to me, Pastor Gwen, you're, you're, you're kind of harsh. <laughs> you're kind of blunt. <laughs> well, I used to really be very, well, I can be very diplomatic. That's true. Um, but I'm pretty straightforward. I just tell it like it is. I tried telling it like it wasn't. <laughs> it didn't work very well. <laughs> you know, um, here's sin. We're going to call it a mistake because we all, you know, and we cover it up and kind of put a pillow around sin. Um, you, that would be wrong. That would be putting it like in a bush. We don't want to say that sin is sin. And that's part of the reason we have trouble here. And why, because we keep dressing it up and, and please forgive every pastor, the ministers in the pulpit in this hour that ever try to excuse sin. We don't excuse sin. There's forgiveness for it. Amen. Amen. And God's the forgiver and we get to agree with that. Amen. Amen. We're getting somewhere now, aren't we? Now, years ago, God gave us a vision here for the city, for the nation. And it's wonderful. He gave us instructions. He gave us hope and and, and he said, go into Surrey. Well, that was when I received all kinds of encouragement, like, well, Surrey's the kiss of death to pastors. So uh, that was encouraging. It meant that we knew something was going to happen. Every time you move forward, there's always resistance. Why is there resistance? Well, if you build something, you've got to remove the rocks and the trees, right? And as I thought more about revival, we'll get to the other business in a minute. Where I'm just not done talking about the other and, uh, and I want to say this, you see, people, when they have expectation of what a revival or what a move of God or an outpouring should look like, uh, they, they get kind of ideas that block them up, and we don't want to be blocked up. And, and it reminds me often of Noah, because I think his story is very prevalent for today, because the Bible says it is. <laughs> it says, as it was in the days of Noah. And everybody looks at the what? Sin. They identify the days of Noah by sin. Oh, yes, it must be the days of Noah. We have all these kind of things that were going on in the days of Noah. That must be why, why it's like that now. That's what, what Jesus said was coming. It's going to look like sin everywhere. Hmm. Interesting. How was it like in the days of Noah? What happened? Noah chapter 7, verse 22 said, Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Now, you don't have to turn there. It's just one verse, but that's all right. You can mark it down if you like. It's Genesis 7, 22. God was talking. Oh, interesting. So as it was in the days of Noah, God was still talking. Hmm. God was talking. Oh, look, there it is. Thank you. <laughs> God was talking, and he gave him instructions. This is what you need to do. Very specific instructions on how to build an ark. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's all right. God was talking in the days of Noah. Oh, it's in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Noah. Oh, God's talking. It's not just about sin. It's not just about sin. Yeah, not just about sin. Amen. 
What else happened? He gave him instructions, build an ark. And I'm going to tell you that one of the things that got put in my heart years ago was to go and build an ark in the spirit. Now, I haven't talked that much about it, but that's what he said years ago in one of our prayer meetings before we started the church as we were praying about it. Help the people build an ark in the spirit. And Anne addressed that this morning. An ark in the spirit isn't somewhere out there. It's right here. A place of expectation of the spirit of God to move inside you. That you would understand that you're the ark today. That you can be a carrier and courier of the presence of God and him living inside you. That you are the ark in line with gold and without, like in the ark of the covenant. But he was building an ark that was inlaid without with with kind of a tar-like substance. <laughs> but it's really strong wood that he made it out of. And, us, and this day, we have some pretty strong wood that we're built out of, and that's why we have a problem. We've so encouraged the flesh and strengthened the flesh and given the flesh rights. It's my right. It's my right. I'm entitled to. And we have strengthened the flesh instead of the spirit, man. Now, not necessarily here. Amen. So God gives instructions at the end of the day of Noah. God was talking. And there was something else that they had never seen before. Say, I've never seen that. Have anybody here present ever seen or been in a revival besides myself? All right. One, two. You were at the Welsh one. And you were different meetings. I was also alive <laughs> and present in the charismatic renewal. Praise the Lord. And, and it was an exciting time. I mean, people, teenagers, were getting saved everywhere. We were all singing around, sitting around. They were playing guitars because that was a big thing. They weren't plugged in yet. <laughs> and, and, and some people had wired microphones. That was really new because no one had microphones in church except for the pastor, and it was a kind of a funky old one. And, and, and so, you know, they were the ones that sit on a pulpit kind of thing. So all of this was, was very, very new when I was a teenager. And, and there was just such an excitement. We would gather in this basement of the church in the fellowship hall, and we'd sit down on the floor and sing Kumbaya, and it was so cool. And people were getting saved. It was the charismatic renewal. It was definitely unique. <laughs> and praise the Lord, one day I actually, years later, in a box, I had found like my gauze shirt that was embroidered. <laughs> and probably now that they're doing all those things, those roll back the time things, I, I should have kept it, you know, and then the grandchildren could have used it in one of those throwback days to when they were all being in the 70s. So I've seen some things. But most people have not. And one of the things they had not seen in the time of Noah yet, do you know what it was? Rain. That's right. It had never rained before. I can tell you that in the nation of Canada, specifically here in British Columbia, it, <laughs> it might have rained naturally, but it's never rained spiritually like that. We've never had an outpouring like the Bible talks about. But just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean we'll never see the rain. Right. Amen. 
And so Noah gets this instruction to build an ark. And years ago, God had said, build an ark, help them build an ark, help them build an ark, help them build an ark in the presence of God. Pursue the presence of God so that other people will know who God is and how much he loves them. That was what the Spirit of God had moved. That is one of the founding reasons why we started Celebration Life Church. That's why it's different. As yet, I have not seen the whole thing come to pass. But I know it's the time of rain. I know what it says in the book of Acts. There's a promise. What is it said? That it's going to rain. It's going to rain. And you know what happened when Noah was building the ark? People left. They mocked him. Oh, it'll never happen there. I don't think people have ever mocked me to my face. I don't like the way you pray. Well, praise the Lord, I said. I wasn't, I wasn't, oh, I was, we're not comfortable with the way you pray. I, said, I was so happy that they had, had uttered that because I responded. Oh, I said, I'm so glad you told me that because I was very uncomfortable with the way you pray. <laughs> I thought we were having a conversation. I found out at that point we were not. <laughs> What? What do you mean? I said, well, I was quick to explain. I thought, well, every time I hear you pray, you're never sure what the will of God is. And you're always like, well, God, if it be my will, if it be my will, if it be my I said, it makes me uncomfortable. And they're like, what? Isn't that the way you were taught to pray? I said, no, pray the word. It's what it says. We know God's will. It's in the Bible. And then you know, find out what it says, then pray that. And they were like, so it was a day of conversation, but praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> there was a mocking even today all oh, those Christians da, 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 da. this and that and the other but I found out some statistics recently you know how we're always getting oh there's more this and that and the other this cult that cult the other cult da 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 do you know what the fastest growing the current fastest growing this was before Asbury the current fastest growing faith was in globally Pentecostal that's right. And it was like taking off in a way that they had not seen before. I tell you what, it is time. It is raining. It is raining. It is raining. And if people would just let that rain fall in their hearts some, amen, we might have people run into the altar without being invited by a person, but just by the person of the Holy Ghost. Where finally those last windows, those last walls of pride, where those last walls of self get dumped down, where finally when they're coming to pray and when they're coming to fasting and prayer that it was really about someone other than themselves, that it really was about loosing the bands of wickedness and people got free. Not trying to manipulate the hand of God. Not trying to, oh, fast, I'll get God to do what I want. None of that. But like fasting to get a heart purified. Fasting to come and find out what that true love really is. Fasting to find out what has he got planned. And how can you have a better relationship? When those things begin to happen. When it begins to rain the right kind of way in your heart. When it begins to R-E-I-G-N. Hallelujah. I think the saddest part about Noah was in the mocking. The only people that went with him besides family were animals. 
God's building an ark. What's the time of Noah? Ark building. Where the presence of God is so near. And I mean, he's everywhere, right? We have no more restriction. Everything that could ever hold us back was bought and paid for at the cross. Everything. Everything. And if we just had that kind of encounter, that kind of place where the love of God came alive in us, we'd be going, where's that boat? Where's the door to that boat? How do I get in that boat? Where is my ark? How come I don't have the presence of God? Why isn't it moving in my life? What's going on? God, I know it's not your problem. Had a wonderful testimony on Friday. Somebody reached out. You see, when we go under the hand of God... And it didn't look like the hand of God. Like, I tell you what, I walked into a situation recently. And God said, I want you to go, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to pour in the oil and the wine, blah, 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 blah. Okay, amen. And then all hell breaks loose before I get there. And it looks like I'm walking into chaos. But I kept saying, God, this is your word, and that's what I'm, I'm obeying your word. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going where you send me. We're on assignment. Here we go. Let your deposit be made. Since that time, people got free and it was wonderful. And God what did wonders while we were there. But this is the best part. You ready? They said, since you were there, we got it. Because God said they needed to be able to move forward. And their vision had got locked up like so many even here today. In this city, in this area in British Columbia. People are locked up. They have vision. They just... I said, even our worship practice, the Holy Spirit's moving and taking over. And people are crying out for more. Something happened. And we haven't looked back. And they've continued forward. So the presence of God is there every time we come together. Prayer meetings, Bible studies, worship practice. And just, and just increasing and just increasing. And people are coming from the city. We have new people coming. Amen. 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 We get on assignment and it begins to rain because it's the time of rain. And we got an ark. And God is present. God is present. He everywhere. And we need to be where he is. Well, I'm at home and he's here. Yes. But it's that pursuit. It's that pursuit. I have this thing that's kind of been rolling around like that. I just, me, so that's, that's what you're getting mama taught today. And it, as I've been in prayer, Hebrews 11, 1 to 3 kept coming to me. That now faith is the substance. And we've heard so much about faith. But we don't have much substance. And that's why some of our things are weak. And it's why when we get under a place, well, that's never going to happen, blah, blah, blah. It's why people divide off. I'm tired of waiting. I've got weary in well-doing. Weary in well-doing. And that's what happens. It's not unusual. It's not. But it's because there's lacking substance. When you lack faith's substance, when the assault comes, uh, 
if you look at Mark chapter 4 and all the different kinds of places, the salts of the world, there's four kind of ground that seed goes into. And when the salt comes against the word of God that you have heard, that God has said, the promises that he's made, the promise of healing, the promise of your life, the promise of victory, the promise of this day having the rain, the promises that God has given if there's no substance, that seed can get spoiled, dried up by the sun. That's what happens. Well, I did receive seed. I'm aware of the seed. I know I got excited on Sunday. As Bethany said, it's for every day of the week. And that's what happens. So the substance of faith needs to become a real active thing. And it's not just about you making a good confession. It's good to speak right. Of course it is. We want to speak well. But let's not undo what we've heard by our words either. Well, we prayed, but I don't think that's going to happen. Well, just forget that. Just go right to it's not going to. That's, that's, I can tell you, I don't have to have wisdom. I don't have to think deep. I don't have to pray about it. I heard what you said. It's not going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Nothing. Amen. And I think that there's this great place that Paul talks about. He says, and people got real nervous about it. He said, Paul's letters are weighty. His words had substance, scared people. But when, when, when we see you, it's not like that. Now, we don't know because this is a response from people. We don't know if it was just the angry people saying that. Because that's the truth, because I've researched that. We don't know who was making that critical remark. Yeah, but when he's here, he's like weak. His letters are kind of, but when he shows up, mm, I don't believe that. And some people say, well, I don't think Paul was a very good preacher. Well, what we do know is he preached long. Guy fell out of the roof. It had been so long, fell asleep while he was preaching because it was into the wee hours of the morning because he preached all night. Guy falls through the roof, dead, but it, that's all right. He prayed for him and he rose again. And uh, <laughs> so we don't know what kind of preacher it was except that he preached long. I dare say, I would never say when I've seen what he's written in the letters under God's hand and he was under God's hand, I don't know that he was so, so weak in person. I think if he showed up in most churches, they'd probably, you know, not let him through the door. Because he was kind of blunt about things. Why are you sleeping with your mother's, you know, like, mm -hmm. He had to deal with stuff, and he did. Peter, what are you doing making people get circumcised? I mean, you know, that's not that is not a comfortable conversation. <laughs> yeah, to his face, in front of everybody. Public. That was a public call out. So I'm not sure about that because that was in person. <laughs> you know, it's so much easier if you've stayed home and you're on camera. If you're feeling embarrassed right now or feeling like you need to repent, no one can see you and it's kind of cool. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But there's a place where his ways were, his words were weighty because of something. It wasn't because of his great education, because he was highly educated. Paul was highly educated. So it wasn't because of that. It was because he understood authority. He was somebody under authority. And therefore his words were weighty and had authority. They had substance. They had substance. Substance is an interesting word. Actually, that one in Hebrews, I wrote that down. 
It's like concretely, essence or abstractly assurance, confidence, substance, a setting under a support. Setting under, that kind of support. So that when you said, well, be healed in Jesus' name. Now, people have said that, and God is good, and he, it's his word, and it can perform itself kind of almost without you and I. But wouldn't it be better if it actually, if the person speaking it actually had faith for that, that was supportive faith, that was anchored faith, that had foundation and oomph and some like under it? Wouldn't that be just better? Amen. Now, we know God works that way, but I know this. Imagine the RCMP coming up to your car door, and, and they've pulled you over and said, you know, I, I don't really feel good about the way you were driving. <laughs> it wasn't very good. And, you know, I think it was kind of fast. <laughs> I'm going to have to give you this ticket. I don't feel good about it. What's your name, sir? Would you be... Could you, do you think you could get up, I mean, you know, at the, that insurance paper? I think they'd be down the road. They just put it in gear and take off. You know, that guy wasn't going to stop them. They couldn't stop him at the window. They're not going to follow them with his car either. Don't do that if a police car <laughs> pulls you over. They have authority because they're under authority. They work with un under authority. I think it's interesting if you look at the story with the man who's the centurion servant and goes to Jesus. He said he's talking about that authority level, but also that Jesus had authority when Jesus was speaking. Jesus was under his father's hand. I only do what my father does, and I only say what my father says. There is an authority action and connection that we have to be in line with. And some people have not liked the fact that when we speak with authority, we, we've come from a place. And, and sometimes people say, you know, mm, you're kind of like, and, and I feel the weight. I thought, I was laughing. How could you, you know, I was, you know, making a joke. Why did you think it was so heavy? There was an authority in the word that I didn't often recognize. But when you come under authority, you operate under authority. I have people over me. I have people I submit to. I have people who, who I open my heart to, and not just the leadership here, but people who, are, who will mentor me and who will help me. That line of authority today and that place is so resisted by our culture. We don't like it. We don't like anybody to have the thought that they might be in charge of you. <laughs> I, was, I think it was the girls I was saying this to the other day. I said, you know, when I was little, I used to think, when I get up, I'll get to do what I want. Never happened. <laughs> Just not in the way I had pictured. Now I love to do what God asked me to do. I love to. And, and I, I find out some more things and do it accurately because I really like that. But I don't want to be obedient to earn a reward. I want to be obedient because of love and because I love to do it and, and not because I'm trying to earn something from God. I've been down that road. I'm only being obedient to God because I'm looking for that place because I have a, this vacancy inside of me that needs constant, uh, uh, yes, you did okay. Yes, that's really good. Yes, that's really nice. You know, if you have that, you have a problem. I don't need God to constantly like, Okay, fix you up. You're so unworthy. Da, da, da. He doesn't need to tell me that every day. He loves me. 
When I accept his love, I don't got that problem anymore. I'm not obeying to, to find some like little tick on the box. It's easy. I have fun. I have fun with God. It's fun. And then obedience is not like the sacrifice. Well, I know it's going to be awful, but I'll do it, Jesus. You know, that's not happening. And so when you get in that right place, it's much better. And lots of us skip out. We, we break the chains of authority. And then we wonder why it's not working. God sets things and he puts things in order the way it pleased him. And as we begin to find that place of his pleasure, not because of some you know, crazy idea of service, but because we go, wow, you know, doesn't it work well? Doesn't it work well when we're all together doing it his way? It does. And more stuff gets done. And then we're not responsible sort of when things go kind of kooky because he's the guy fixing it. And I don't have to. And I don't have to carry the weight wrong and neither do you. Because as soon as you break the line of authority, guess what happens? You in charge. And when something goes south, you're responsible. Like, and unless you want to be responsible for somebody going to hell, I suggest that it get, find a, your path back to authority and get in line with God's plans. I think I've got a verse or two, something about this. <laughs> oh, we could go there. But let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I like chapter 10. It's got lots of good, well, I like it all, but, you know, there's days when some pieces are just more tasty than others. It's like the taste of the day. You ever had that? You know, you go into a restaurant. What is it? Is it a beef day or a chicken day? You know? This is a meat day. <laughs> and there we go. We have not got through another Sunday without discussing food. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 10. And, and here it is. Now I, Paul, verse 1. Uh, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent, I'm bold. And, and, and that's the, exactly what I was talking about. We're that place where he just himself, he is just himself. And this is part of the reason why we, have, we struggle with each other. Because as we become more vulnerable in the presence of God, there is no covering up who we really are. And some of us are kind of weird. And some of you could be more weird, and it would be better. <laughs> it says, wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Oh, let me tell you, that's a, probably a story I don't want to go into. I don't want to go there. It just hurt a bunch of people, but that's the truth. We get, like I said, we get so involved in the flesh. We think it's God. It's not. And if we ever had that conversation, there'd be people chasing the door or the exit sign but we're trying to help you because if you live according to the flesh, you're going to hurt yourself all the time. And the truth of the matter is this. You won't know you're in the flesh unless you've got somebody beside you who's helping you. It's the truth. You have to trust someone enough to say, hey, you know what? That was not the Holy Ghost. It sort of sounded like him, but, you know, that's not the character of God. And you have to allow those kind of people in your life. Let me tell you, the first couple of times, it's kind of like, oh, that was touchy. But I'm better for it. 
That was your flesh. You know, let it squeak and get over it. Amen? Are you having fun yet? It's raining. For though we walk in the flesh, I know there's a, it's really good in the Amplified, but this is really good in the King James as well. For though we walk in the flesh, and there's, it's so clear. It's so clear. We have a body and we live in it and we walk in it every single day. And if you deny its existence, that's just as wrong as you trying to live by it. <laughs> I'm not sure I can. <laughs> we don't want to have our fleshly lusts and desires driving us in life. But we have to admit we've got them. <laughs> no, I'm okay. I'm so holy and I'm so spiritual that I don't have a problem with my flesh and it never talks. We're having a meeting afterwards, and I've got some spaces this week we can book. <laughs> That's right. Liars go to hell, and, and that'll be right at the top of the list. We, you know, we, we got flesh. We got to admit it's got a problem. And when it's got a problem, then guess what? You can get help. You can't get help if you don't know you need it. Everybody get, keep nodding. If you're at home, nod. That's right, Pastor. It's not that hard to ask for help. You know, there are some... I've, I've been blessed to know some people who are well-known in the preaching cycle, and I've had enough guts to ask them, help me preach better, help me minister the word better. And then they do. Amen. <laughs> that iron got sharpened. And you know what happens when an iron gets sharpened by a piece of iron? Little bits go flying everywhere. <laughs> Corey often sharpens my knives for me, and, and afterwards they cut like really wet. So if I've come back from this and you notice I'm a bit sharp and you're feeling a little blood running, that's probably because I've been with an iron. And there's bits left on the floor afterwards that someone had to clean up. Hey, Brent, praise the Lord for the ministry of helps. And uh, so we don't war after the flesh. We're, we're not going to use our flesh and our anger or the things that upset us. The, the emotional problems can't be what drives us. It can't be the building point of a, of a message. It can't be the reason we help the poor. It can't be a reason that we help the widows. We don't want to get sucked in uh, or led by helplessness. We want to be led by Holy Ghost. And we want to be led in the way that has God results in the end. Amen? And, and we know that when we go into a place under his hand with his authority, there will be change. It may not come the way we look, but we've never seen the rain before. We hope that it's not just critters on board with us. Amen? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That's why if you're walking in the flesh and driven by the lust, it will be very difficult to pull them apart. Because if you're still being led and you can't admit you're being led by emotion, and let me tell you, I know about this. This is why I talk about it. I've seen people in very dire situation. I actually do have a very soft heart. It's funny, I'd have to say that, but it's the truth. Sometimes when people see me in the pulpit, they think this is how she is all the time. But I, I see people on the street and my heart breaks for them. 
But if I try to fix it with my knowledge, it's going to have limited results. But if I can hear from the Lord and get his plan and operate with his instructions, I'm building an ark. I'm putting planks down that'll end up in the right place. Planks that can carry things. Planks that will carry his anointing. Planks that will have his presence manifest wherever we go. But if I operate them by the flesh, it's like it never got put together right. And it gets under pressure and falls apart. Yeah, it's, it's not the good shape lollipop, that's for sure. Casting down imaginations, it says in verse 5. And this is so important because when we're in the flesh, we have imaginations. This is why we don't, with the presence of God, we, imaginations. What are they like? What are casting down imaginations? Well, wouldn't it be cool if? It's easier for young women to understand the imaginations things, and we sometimes get blamed for imaginations because of, you know, watching romance movies and things like that. And they build up this wrong thing in a woman. I was not never my fantasy. They didn't have those things when I was younger. Not too much. It was mostly because we didn't have the social media. So sometimes you had a, a, a album or an MP and you got posters and you stuck them up in your wall. That was how we, we did things. That was the little romance thing we had. And our, you know, uh, there were people and they put posters up in their room back then. And they in so and so cute. And is this something David Cassidy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the, the hair, you know. <laughs> Dear Jesus. But men have imaginations too. I'll provide for my family until it kills me. Mm hmm. Because you're the provider. Hmm. Right? Imaginations, we've got to understand that they're there and know what to do with them when they are there and make sure they're, they're not the lead voice. You have to come under God. The very next part of it tells us that. And every high thing. So not just imaginations, but every high thing that exalts itself against what? Against the knowledge of God. There are things in this life that try to make themselves way bigger than God. Not just the devil, but our flesh, our emotions. They try to rise high and say, hey, look at this. This is great. You can save the world. Well, Jesus did that. Amen. So I don't have to be concerned with that. And it's funny, I said this a long time ago, got myself in a bunch of trouble, so I'm saying it again because I like that. And, and it says, Jesus already, the saving part's already done. And they're like, Phew. Jesus saved the world. Saved, past tense. I'd be like, what? How can you say that? Because that's what the cross was all about. <laughs> it's a past tense. Is the cross right now happening today? Well, only in the sense of Jesus' love is always going on. But the cross was like thousands of years ago. It's over that part. The part that's good is the resurrection life. He got up. He saved the world. When you accept it, you're saved personally. Hmm? Got it? Don't get hung up there. The knowledge of God. When your emotions trying to override what you know about God. 
But if you haven't learned enough about God, you might have to have someone in your life that can help you. <laughs> Would God do this? Ask someone. I'm, I, I, you know, I feel a lot of pressure and, and this thing's really bugging me and should I do this? Ask someone. It's what we're here for. It's the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. He the head, but we're part of it. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be the body and he wouldn't call us the body if it wouldn't intend to have us working with him. Praise the Lord. Somebody needed to hear that today. Against the knowledge of God and bring it into captivity. Get those thoughts back in line. Don't let them rule and run your life. Why? Because it's time to reign and God wants to do something outside of you and me. And as we put those things aside, and it's not always easy, there'll be distractions. Absolutely. Absolutely there'll be distractions. Every day. Maybe more than five times a day. But what's God saying? What was the instruction? It's easy to try and and tango and go to tango and do the dance of the mockers. That's not really what God says. Try to back up God, be God's backup defense, go to God, quote the Bible over and over and over and get into a chess game with somebody. But is that what God said to do? Is that what Noah did? No, Noah kept building. Bang, 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 bang. Probably really annoying. I don't know what time of day he started, what time he finished. It took him a long time to build that big boat because he had to do it by himself. Even some of his family were kind of begrudging, but they all got on board and came with him. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad they did? Family of God, we got to go together. Amen? Family of God, we got to go together. Amen? Amen? And see, when these things happen, verse 6 becomes easy. Having a readiness to revenge all disobedience. You know, isn't there a place where, man, I don't know about you, but you ever been in that place where I had like Romans 7 going on in my life for a long time? Do you know what I mean about the Romans 7 thing? Paul's talking about that, which I do that I hate, and I get in the cycle and bam, 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 my back here again. <sighs> I tried to keep my mouth right. I tried, Jesus. Ah, there it goes, blah, all over again. You know, I spoke before I thought, no, no, no. Now, that may not be your problem, but you might have another one that goes round and round and round, a cycle you want to see broken. Most people are stuck in cycles. I'm telling you, as it rains and it's raining and it's coming to rain, that cycles get broken. Cycles get broken. Cycles get broken. Hallelujah. Cycles get broken and we begin to walk into that freedom that God intended. We'll have a readiness to prevent. And you wake up and you go, ooh, that thing had me too long. Oh, it had me way too long. But I'm free. I'm free. That's what's happening in Asbury. They're getting up and going, man, I've been in this crazy cycle too long. And I found freedom through the love of God. Because it's the knowledge of God. Wait, that's not God. That's not how he loves. Wait just a second here now. Hmm. That thing can't have me anymore. That sin can't have me. That cycle of repetitive like, ugh, can't have me. That's freedom. 
See, Jesus, when he went to the cross, didn't just forgive you of your sin. This is where your identity comes alive. You are a new creature, and it rises up. I am not that person anymore. I was a victim. No one would ever think that. Would any of you looking at me thinking, my goodness, she was a victim. She felt, I, I felt unworthy for years. But the blood of Jesus, I don't feel that way. Don't think that way. I didn't know I could ever not think that way. <laughs> but Jesus delivered me. I'm telling you, this is real. A new creature is a real thing. I am not that old person. I'm not. And when you get near Jesus and his presence, and you allow him to like take out the walls, those walls of pride, the walls of, what if I don't know where I'm going? What's on the other side, Jesus? I don't know. I want to walk you through something. So Jesus goes to the cross. He takes the sin of the world. He didn't just take it in some kind of sack that he had on his back that didn't touch him. He took it in his body. Can you imagine taking every disease into your body? You know, I, I burnt myself this week making something with hot glue gun. It was not nice. At tiny, I mean, it, it is small now. It wasn't then. It was bigger. My whole arm hurt, and he took it all at the same time. And then he took all of our sin and the weight of sin. Anybody ever felt sin and guilty and terrible because you sinned? Anybody ever felt that? It's gross, right? So he takes all the sin, the weight of it. Shame, the guilt, every, all that stuff. Because it said it paid for our guilt and shame. Guilt, shame, sin, all sickness and disease at the same time. Not in a little sack that couldn't touch him. And he goes to the cross. Do you think he knew what it would look like on the other side when he was resurrected? Interesting thought, hey? So he pays this great, tremendous price for everything. For everything. And a couple of angels come. They roll away the stone. I go, hey, good to see you. <laughs> and he gets up. He looks different. He looks different. But his voice was the same. It looks different. Mary thought he was a gardener. He looked different. It wasn't exactly what people expected. But when they heard his voice, they knew it was their king. They knew it. Just like Anne said today, we're going to get to heaven. We're going to know it. We're going to know it. I'm quite certain it didn't look for a moment like people thought it would. But it's raining. 
and he's calling. And it's up to us to come. I don't know what it's going to look like for you on the other side. When you get resurrected into the new creature. But I know that it's more than just meeting him at the cross. I know when you get up on the other side and you're new, you're different. Your family may not recognize you. And there will be something different in your voice. But you'll be alive. And this is why it's raining. God started a whole new thing with Noah. As it was in the days of Noah. So shall it be when the Son of Man shall appear. Let him be real in our eyes today. Stand upon your feet. No matter where you are, I'm encouraging those people watching online, have an altar today in your home. Do something different. If you can stand up or if you can get by a chair and kneel down in his presence, would you draw near to him today? Would you cast the things aside and just come boldly? He's waiting for you. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're calling to your people, that you're calling us to rise up into your place, that every person can know your love like never before, that that which is held back, limited, or kept in a box. Let them come open this day. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for the great power of forgiveness. And we thank you, God, for not quitting on us when so many quit on you. Today I ask you, Lord, for those that have grown weary, would you speak to them again in the depths of their heart? Would their eyes come open to see you've always been there? To see that it's beginning to rain, just as you promised, the former and the latter rain, as they come together at this time in the earth, that your name will be glorified. That the fires and the wood that's ready would come alive. Holy Spirit, we thank you for breathing on your people today. Hope. Hallelujah. In your mighty name, everybody said, Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 
7327 or you can write to us at